Good morning, folks. Uh, this is Scott Custard with Moving Parts, and this is our weekly key market drivers uh, report. And uh, this is for uh, the week of November 15th. As always, you can see our contact information up there. We start with that every week. Um, if you have any questions or comments, drop us a line or emails there or give us a call one way or the other. Um, so, a little bit of stuff going on this week, um, but it seems like it's all kind of minor league type stuff. I, I'm not sure how much of this stuff is actually market movers, but uh, we felt compelled to uh, at least make mention of a lot of them. Uh, I'll just kind of roll around the uh, the slide here. First of all, you may or may not know about the, uh, the whole FTX cryptocurrency uh, debacle that's going on right now, but just thought that was a funny cartoon. Nate found that, and then he also found the other one um, about the bull and the bear market. Uh, stock markets have not been faring very well lately, so uh, that's pretty good. Um, the last thing I, I think uh, as I'm going through the little cartoons here is to mention a little housekeeping. We will not be uh, producing our key market drivers or doing our calls next week as a holiday week. As you know, Thanksgiving is next Thursday on the 24th. Um, and we hope you have a great Thanksgiving and have uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, but again, if you have questions, we will be in the office next week. If you have questions, uh, give us a holler. So things that are a little bit more related to the market, um, first and foremost is probably still that pesky Ukraine-Russia uh, safe passage deal. Um, we do not have an extension currently, um, but they better hurry up because the deadline currently is still this Saturday, uh, the 19th. The latest news is that uh, Russia has been meeting with officials from the UN and they have been feverishly working on that deal. Um, and the, the most recent report is that uh, talks were fairly constructive, whatever that means. Um, the other thing is we just got another report this morning from uh, from Reuters, and not sure if it came straight from Putin's mouth, but but the, it was attributed to Putin that said that uh, he will announce his decision on this deal at the appropriate time. Now we're left to guess what exactly is that appropriate time. Uh, we just don't know. Um, the next thing to uh, that we have here on the list is uh, our U.S. corn exports are just positively uh, slow as a snail right now. We're only 50% uh, of what we were last year at this same time. We'll mention that when we get to the slide there. Um, Chinese COVID restrictions starting to ease up just a little bit. Um, all of that, I think, is, is having a, a bit of a, of a bearish reaction. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and flip forward to this slide and mention a few more things. Uh, our U.S. dollar index just getting clobbered, absolutely clobbered. You know, we were up in the 112, 113 range here just two weeks ago. Uh, we dropped two whole points last Thursday. Um, uh, what you see here on, on, on this slide at 106.66, this morning we're down to 105.80. So uh, the U.S. dollar continues to get slammed. Uh, we got our uh, 
U.S. inflation number for October at 7.7 um, year over year. Food inflation was actually stronger at 10.9%, up uh, six-tenths month over month. Um, and again, as you might guess, the biggest increases there came from eggs and turkey, uh, you know, all uh, recipients of the uh, uh, the latest uh, 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 avian flu. Um, the railroad strike, uh, you know, that's kind of coming down to the wire too. We had a couple of other uh, uh, unions announced their decision last night. The two largest unions still don't announce until um, this coming Saturday, uh, November the 19th. But remember, there uh, was also an extension to the deadline. Uh, on this slide, it says December the 4th. I believe that's a misprint. I think it's the, the 9th. Nate, uh, if you're out there, is, is that correct that we have the new deadline at 12 9? That would make sense because I think that the third is on a Saturday, isn't it? So the fourth would be on a Sunday. Yeah, the fourth. Yeah, I think Sunday. so. It seems kind of odd to be on the on a Sunday. So I'll go with the ninth. We'll call it that yeah. for wrong or wrong. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I think that when we talk about the uh, the the railroad deal, it is not in our nation's best interest, obviously, to to have a railroad strike uh, go into play. Um, I was talking to a. a uh, a big wig at one of the local crusher refiners, um, and you can do the math on that and figure that out on your own. But anyway, I was told uh, they feel it's we're talking about billions of dollars daily, um, specifically just for those crusher refiners. They don't have a lot of storage on site for their soybean meal, depending on the plant. And uh, Nate can uh, weigh in on this uh, with with his experience. You know, they may have two, three, maybe four days worth of storage for soybean meal. They just don't have a lot of storage for that. That stuff is is ready to uh, uh, or, or made to be shipped, whether it's in a rail car or in a truck. And if they don't have rail service, they'll have to shut those plants down because there's no place to put that meal. Well, uh, right. And, and, and also on the oil side, I mean, you look at right now, you talk to the crushers um, and a lot of them are are. Let's put it this way: rail performance today is not great. Um, part of it's because customers are sitting on rail cars. Part of it's just rail movement has slowed a bit. But uh, empty tank cars are are becoming more of a topic just because of rail performance. Well, suddenly now, if the rail if the railroad would go on strike, um, you would you would have issues not just on meal but on oil quickly. So, I think I mean the the U.S. grain industry is going to be put, putting a lot of pressure on the government because I mean, not only is the processors, but you think about also exports, right? I mean, this is, so we're at harvest. Um, this is when a lot of grain is moving and we kind of have this window to export stuff. Now, I know we talked a couple of weeks ago about the river levels being low and that being a problem, but at the end of the day, I mean, and it, and we look at it through our lens of just being grain and, and oil seeds and, and feed and, and all that. But you think about it just from an economic standpoint, um, it would be a bit crippling to an economy that's already kind of, uh, you know, on, in intensive care. So I think, I think somebody has to step in and do something. I can't imagine, and I don't know. I mean, the, so what did what was this, Scott? Two of the unions so far have have voted this thing down, and, and a handful of the other unions have approved it. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. Is there some is there some backroom peer pressure going on? Uh, one union calling the other, saying, "Come on, guys, let's let's." 
get this. Well, thing and again, this 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 other person I was talking to, um, I believe, and 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 he believes too that the unions are the ones that have the leverage right now. They're not whining about money. Their their leverage, uh, their perceived leverage, is because of uh, time off. Um, if you believe what you read or hear, uh, they just have not gotten anything in the way of time off, uh, the ability to go to the doctor or to go, you know, see a sick kid or anything like that. So um, it's it's kind of believed that uh, uh, that that they have the leverage when it comes to this current negotiation. So we shall. And see. at the same time, at the same time, the railroad executives are sitting before Congress. Getting uh, getting grilled about uh, poor performance, uh, you know how come you're not, you know your service isn't better and and uh, you know turn times and all that and and one of their responses is well we just don't have enough people right so I mean it's just, yeah. they're getting kind of pulled and one they're getting chewed out by the government you know how come you aren't performing better so they they push their employees and their employees push back and say hold on here uh, you know we need more time off so they're they're kind of caught I would say a little bit in a no win situation because. How do you how do you solve this? I mean, there's so many regulations in place around uh, when when they hire new employees. You can't hire, you know, they couldn't hire you today and throw you in a train engine tomorrow and say, "Here, Scott, go." I mean, it's 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 a pretty lengthy process. So anyway, not right. that this is train talk, but I think it does impact our uh, kind of our markets here in the course of the next month if something doesn't kind of get resolved. Up. But, yeah, it's kind of a looming uh, bad deal, quite honestly. So we'll be watching that. Um, Working through some of the other things here, we'll get the weather in a bit, but uh, that's starting to exit the uh, the stage, if you will. Um, I mentioned the corn exports down south in uh, South America. Uh, Brazil's corn is now about 70% planted. They're still a little bit behind normal pace, um, but still looking for a big crop there. Uh, in Argentina, the corn is only 23% planted. Um, it's awfully dry, as we know. Um, so that's kind of helping get uh, things planted, uh, but but the the crops definitely need rain. On the bean side of things, uh, Brazil is 69% planted versus 78 a year ago. Um, I don't have an, a latest update in Argentina, but again, awfully awfully dry down there. Uh, real quick on the wheat side of things, you know that market. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, first, we saw a, a trade from Egypt that did not go as normal. Remember, it wasn't too long ago that uh, Egypt came out and said they were going to begin uh, trading wheat, not through the normal tender process. Well, this was the first time, at least that I know, that they've actually bought in private wheat, uh, not through the tender. Uh, and so basically outside of the government uh, oversight, uh, they bought 280,000 tons on a huge amount of wheat. But they probably bought it from Russia. At least that was the most uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the the trade winner. Um, so that puts Russian uh, values at about 332. The Black Sea that is still the low guy in the world, um, uh, even you know lower than uh, the France. And and we obviously know that nothing's trading out of Ukraine yet. Um, India is is planting their crop. They're probably going to add about 10 percent of acreage on their wheat uh, for this coming year. And then finally, Argentina, you know, the, the hits just keep on coming for Argentina. Both Rosario and Buenos Aires Grain Exchange lowered their production numbers this past week. Uh, 
So they're at somewhere between, call it 12 million on average. USDA lowered their number 2 million tons, but they're still well above that at 15.5. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, uh, a little bit more when we get to the WASD. Um, I suppose finally, the last thing to mention on this page is that the EPA finally, finally, uh, you know, they, they uh, Dave's been talking about the dog ate your homework or ate their homework. They finally got their proposed um, uh, blending targets to the OMB for scoring. Um, that uh, uh, probably is that they hope to have a rule out still by the end of this month. And then if they do, then they would uh, get a finalized number probably by mid-June of this next year. Um, and just like Dave wrote in the in the slide there, don't start holding your breath on that yet. Um, but again, that's that's probably what's going on. Uh, there, obviously, it's, a, it's an election year and there's going to be some shuffling being done uh, in Congress. Um, so uh, once this comes out from the OMB, there's going to be a lot of wrangling and, and, and arm twisting, I, I suppose. So uh, let's move forward and talk a little bit about the WASD. November WASD, not uh, usually a big uh, uh, headline uh, type of a report, and, and certainly this was no different than normal. Um, here's the corn. It, it maybe was just a, a little bit of a surprise that uh, they bumped the yield ever so slightly up four-tenths of a bushel to 172.3. That takes your production up 35. Uh, they really didn't change anything on the demand side of things, other than they took feed up 25 million bushels, but the ethanol and exports stayed unchanged. And then your ending stocks get bumped 10. Um, again, just a little bit below the, the trade guesses, um, but that's really not enough to move the needle outside of, uh, you know, we're still a tight, tight uh, balance sheet here. 8.3% stocks to use ratio. On the soybean side of things, it's kind of a almost a, a carbon copy. Uh, we did take the yield up again, slightly four tenths. Uh, you add 33 million bushels to the production line. You, you've got crush now up another 10 million bushels. Um, we have been at record crush levels, Nate, for how long? The last 18 months? Yeah. Two years? something like that. So um, th that's, I, I suppose, not really a surprise. Um, they left exports unchanged and, and, and you add 20 to that uh, uh, bottom line ending stocks. Again, very, very tight, still below 5% stocks to use ratio. On the oil side of things, um, we lowered the uh, beginning stocks a little bit. Uh, we knew that was coming. Um, but even despite that, that lower uh, beginning stocks, uh, we're still at a new record production because of that record crush. And that, um, and that crush, got, I mean, and well, and this is something that that's going to become a little bit difficult to, to uh, for us to adjust to. So as uh, this uh, crush plant in eastern Iowa, I think Shell Rock, uh, they're supposed to come up. I think it's like January, February, uh, here Q1, sometime somewhere in here, and. Um, I don't know if all these new crush plants are going to join NOPA. So if you remember, those of you following along at home, you know, we have the NOPA crush report that comes out kind of the middle of the month. So the middle of November, we get the October NOPA crush report. And that historically has represented between 
93 and 95% of the U.S. crushing industry. So it was a pretty good barometer of what crush rates were. And then the end of the month, so the end of November, we'll get the October USDA crush, which is all the crush plants. Well, as these new crush plants come online, first of all, we're going to see this, these record crush rates kind of continue, right? Because we're adding new crush plants, margins are phenomenal. So we're not going to slow down. So we should see U.S. crush rates continue to kind of uh, grow quarterly as these new crush plants come online. But the problem is going to be if they don't join NOPA, NOPA is a member organization, it's not obligatory. So if you don't join NOPA, um, will the uh, percent between NOPA and the USDA crush, it's going to take the industry a while to kind of figure out what that what that is. I think Bill kind of has a rule of thumb today is if you say, okay, if NOPA crushes this, and that means USDA should kind of be in this range based on historical. Well, as these new crush plants come online, if not all of them are NOPA members, some of them will be, you know, your existing players like ADM, but as they come online, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for us to figure out monthly kind of what does that crush look like until we get that USDA number. Yep. Yep. So we'll be watching that going forward. Um, but again, to wrap up the, the balance sheet here, um, not much on the demand side of things, a little bit of a plus or minus game going on. Uh, 150 higher on food, 100 lower on exports and your biofuels unchanged. And so you really don't move the needle on the ending stocks much, up 13, 6.9% stocks to use ratio. The theme continues with wheat. Um, didn't see any changes to the production, but we knew that there wouldn't be. We did see just a few small changes, uh, but again, just kind of moving the deck chairs around a little bit. Uh, you went a little bit higher on the food. You went down just a touch on seed. You didn't move anything on the big ones being exports or feed. Uh, at the end of the day, your ending stocks are 5 million tons tighter. You're still at 30 and a half on the stocks to use. Uh, real quick on the buy class. Uh, again, I, I just throw that up there again. We, we only had a, a, a move of 5 million bushels uh, on the ending stocks. So we actually feel a little tiny bit better on the hard red winter wheat up six, um, hard red spring down six, uh, and then you can see the rest there, soft red down four, and, and, and white was down four, and then the Durham uh, was actually up six. So uh, again, not, not uh, uh, any material differences there. On the world, which is at the bottom of this slide, you can see there that uh, production, was up about 1 million tons, okay? So we're just shy of 783 right now. Uh, notable differences there, Argentina, I already mentioned them, uh, down two to 15.5. Australia up uh, 1.5 million tons to 34.5. But remember, we've got private analysts out there that think that could be as high as 40 million tons. Um, the, the bad news, I suppose, about Australia is remember how wet it is, and they're going to have uh, a good bit of that crop that um, uh, may not make milling quality. Russia still unchanged on Uncle Sam's uh, balance sheet at 91. I don't know anybody in the industry that thinks it's that low. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this is a political move or what, um, but it is surely higher than uh, 91. Um, Soviet Econ has it over 100 at this point. So. Uh, take that for what you will, then Kazakhstan up one to 14. That's a big move for Kazakhstan. Um, 
you know, but it's only 14 million tons. Um, ending stocks at 33.8, uh, kind of about where it was. So nothing to be terribly concerned about there. Moving forward, I mentioned uh, earlier, or maybe I mentioned it. I, yeah, I did. Uh, the U.S. dollar. That's a chart that goes all the way back to uh, 08 uh, financial crisis, right? World financial crisis all the way back here. We were down in the 70s, actually the low 70s. So um, we've come a long way and mentioned, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we almost touched 115 and, all, and we're all the way down to 105 in the 105 range this morning, 105.80. I, Go ahead. If I would have taken this, so the reason I went back 12 years is I, I think when you look at the last, you know, eight months, it's not that it's hard to kind of grab perspective on where we are. If I would have gone back about another two, two, three years here, the dollar, I mean, we're, it was up at the same levels we are now. So we aren't in completely uncharted territory. Um, the dollar has been up here before, but I think as, as we've often talked in the past, whenever you have these, these sharp run-ups in markets, um, you kind of run out of steam and and you look back historically what are, what is that one there my eyes suck but like in 2014 when that we had that sharp run up there we got to the spot where it just it kind of struggled and, and kind of lost steam and, and i think not that we're going to fall back to you know those mid-90 levels but i i think we've kind of reached a point here where um you know we've we've probably kind of run out of steam a little bit but it's hard to tell i mean you had this ftx deal earlier this week which as you read more and more about this, uh, the market gets to be a little bit more concerned about, you know, to your point, Scott, and some of these stocks that everybody's been investing in, how much of that is real and how much of it's just people throwing money after things because it's cute. Um, but what kind of impact is this going to have on things here as we move into the new year? But uh, definitely impactful to the commodity markets, uh, the U.S. dollar is anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Um, moving forward, export sales. I mentioned this earlier. Look at our corn exports down here. This is our weekly exports, okay? Not a bad start to the year, the first um, uh, week out of the box, but it has been, you know, pathetic since, quite honestly. And this red line, well, what does that red line mean? This is that the pace that is needed on a weekly basis right now to, to meet the USDA's number for exports for the year. Now, um, we we've just barely got two months of of data and we've got a long ways to go. But the other thing you got to remember is we've got South America, um, you know, they'll start harvesting their first corn crop. Um, what, Nate, probably. February and into March, maybe. Yeah, probably. Uh, yep. and, and then when they, that comes off about the time they start harvesting their beans and then they have their Safrina corn crop that comes after that. The Argentine corn crop, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see where this falls out. But certainly, this is uh, this this slide screams bearish corn to me. Well, and don't you? I mean, that uh, Bill had that chart that he sent out. I don't know when it was last week or the week before. It had corn prices around the world, and the U.S. corn prices were considerably higher than than anywhere else. And and you couple that with this. I'm not sure which is caused. I mean, I'm sure the slow export sales are probably the result of the fact that our corn is too expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you look at this, it, it just, and maybe that's part of the reason why the dollar is, is uh, a little bit weaker too. I don't know, but it, it um, doesn't look real bullish for corn. No, no, not at all. 
Not at all. Um, continuing with corn, here's harvest. We're at 93% versus 85 on average. This might be the last week of, of uh, progress we get. Normally, the USDA quits reporting at around the 95% range. So uh, we might get one more week uh, next week being Thanksgiving week, and we might not. But essentially, the corn crop is is all but completely harvested. Uh, just a little bit of stuff to finish up here and there. Um, kind of same way on beans. We're at 96% harvested on beans versus 91 on average. Uh, winter wheat plantings, kind of the same story. 96 nationally versus 93 on average. But remember on wheat, it's not about the planting or emergence. Emergence is right on the number for the five-year average. It is more to do about conditions. We went up another two percentage points. Uh, anything that's positive we'll take right now. Uh, but you can see there we're all the way up to 32% good to excellent, which is still kind of pukey, but um, at least we're moving in the right direction. Uh, talk to a good old friend of mine from uh, uh, from ConAgra. You, you, uh, some of you know who I'm talking about. Um, he's forgotten more about wheat than I'll ever know, um, and he would tip his cap to the to the notion that it is dry and it might be as dry as we've ever seen it. But he is still not. Um, overly concerned about those conditions right now. And certainly you can kind of see that in the marketplace. The market isn't really um, uh, trading those really dry conditions just yet. Wheat is a weed, wheat has nine lives. And uh, and remember, we can uh, uh, change that in a hurry. It's all about the conditions after winter uh, that, that make the difference. Um, real quick here on the specs. Uh, it's all about the soy complex again, not so much on the soybeans, but you can see here uh, beans and meal now both of them over the 20 percent uh, of open interest right now. And, and they've been buying here certainly uh, the, the last four to five weeks. Um, you know, you, the, look at the max position on soybean oil, 126 thousand contracts is the max position going back to 2006. We're over 100, we're 105 right now. So that's a big position. Uh, maybe not quite as big on the soybean meal side, 95 versus 133, but uh, it's making a difference. And certainly when they get over 20%, that's when we really start to watch. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the weather. Paige, what do you got for us this morning? Yeah, so you kind of mentioned earlier um, with just with harvest progress, um, corn and soybeans were essentially done at this point. Um, farmers will probably wrap up that little bit that remains in the coming weeks. Um, so we're not really concerned about weather on that front. For U.S. weather at this point, we're really looking at those wheat areas like you were talking about because uh, <laughs> conditions are not great. I think wheat areas have gotten some good rains the past few weeks, um, probably why those condition ratings have maybe come up a little bit, but really um, could use some more. So if you want to jump forward to the next one, uh, go to the seven-day forecast, actually. There we go. So this is not helpful. Um, again, we don't really care uh, about weather at this point for corn and soybeans. So we're really kind of looking at Kansas, Oklahoma, um, maybe even a little bit of Texas there for wheat country. That is not any significant rainfall at all. Um, 
yes, they will take it at this point because they'll take what they can get, but that's essentially nothing. So looks like might be another week of dry weather in wheat the, country, which is not helpful. But yeah, and I, I would I would uh, throw this out there too. Remember that that national rating is soft red winter wheat and hard red winter wheat, and it even throws in some white winter wheat as well. And so this is where we're really concerned about, you know, basically Kansas City wheat, hard red winter wheat right in here. But if you move just a little bit to the east and, and you know, soft red winter wheat has grown over a, a larger area, this is where a lot of the, the rain that has been falling, again, Ohio River Valley, Mississippi River Valley, uh, that has been getting rain. And that is, I think, what's mainly influencing that national number, not out here. So anyway, gotcha. not to steal your thunder. <laughs> you can always steal the thunder when it comes to wheat. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of it for U.S. weather. If we want to jump forward to South American weather. Um, Canada, real quick, they got some lovely snow, which means it's probably officially the start of winter, which I'm not thrilled about, but happens every year. Now. Let's jump forward to South American weather. Um, we've been seeing some pretty good rains uh, for both Brazil and Argentina the past few weeks. Argentina has kind of dried out a little bit. Um, I think they got some pretty good rains over the weekend with even some areas getting as much as five inches of rain. Um, those were kind of isolated though. So Argentina could really use some more widespread heavy rains because they are still um, pretty dang dry down there. And Brazil has been getting some good rains. Again, it's kind of isolated. I think last week was a little bit more north and northeast Brazil um, with a little bit more limited rains in central and southern Brazil. This looks like it maybe flipped a little bit in the uh, coming week. Looks like central Brazil and southern Brazil should be getting some good rains. Um, overall, I think Brazil is in pretty good condition. It's kind of Argentina that we're worried about here being overly dry. They could really use some continuous widespread rains, which I'm not sure is going to be the case. Nate, do you want to talk about the uh, La Nina stuff that you were reading this morning? Yeah, so every month uh, the uh, Reuters folks put out a um, ENSO or update, which is the basically the La Nina, El Nino type update. And the last one they put out said basically there's a growing likelihood of the La Nina, of the current La Nina moving from a moderate event to a more strong La Nina in that period from like December through February, and then turning back to a more moderate to a weakening La Nina. I think that what that means as far as implications is, is continued dry conditions for Argentina, uh, cold weather for North America, and and so for both the winter wheat in North America as well as the corn and soybean crop in Argentina, not looking real favorable. I think the other implication that they're seeing from a forecast standpoint is maybe a little bit more moderate conditions across parts of you know the Black Sea region and Eastern Europe. So, um, but again, it's a weather forecast. I don't know. We think Rebel always jokes they can't predict the weather. What's going to happen next week? How can they predict what's going to happen two three months from now? But it, it's it's definitely clear that this La Nina is not going away right now and this is this is one of the things we've been talking about for the last few months is that you know it's not normal to see three La Nina events in a row three years in a row like this and now we're into year three and when 
the forecasters thought earlier this fall that this thing would probably weaken as we get into winter, it looks like it may be doing just the opposite. So something that's going to have a probably pretty substantial impact on the markets as we move into uh, the new year here. Yeah, yep. so definitely something to keep an eye on. Certainly, certainly. Well, thanks for that. Uh, we'll wrap up very quickly on the uh, the dairy markets here. Uh, not a ton of new news here, other than that uh, markets are strengthening a little bit. We've got the uh, cheese market that has kind of, you know, roared back into the uh, 220 range. We we actually topped 220 yesterday on the close, 220 and three quarters. Um, not a lot in in terms of of what's actually being traded in Chicago. Uh, and you see there that the uh, um, after kind of being back in the 260 range uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, early in the week up in the 280s, we've got the butter market back at 293. Uh, again, not a huge amount of trade, um, but but a, probably a, a good bit of that is due to um, buyers not wanting to get flat caught flat footed uh, and not have anything on. Remember, we ran up to those uh, two or I'm sorry, 326 range on the spot, uh, all-time highs, um, not that long ago. And I think buyers, uh, uh, you know, went all the way down to 260 and they weren't gonna get caught flat-footed again. So um, we're wrapping up the uh, the holiday season with uh, production. There's probably another good week of production here for both cheese and butter. But then next week being the holiday week for Thanksgiving, things back off a little bit usually. And then you might have one, maybe two weeks of, of production uh, uh, in, in the early part of December, as, and then things will really slow down uh, for the end of the year. So um, that uh, is what we can expect going forward out of the, uh, out of the cheese and butter markets. Um, so with that being said, uh, that wraps it up for our update today. Unless Nate or Paige have anything else to add, um, we nope. will uh, we will quickly remind you that we will not be producing our deck or doing calls next week. Um, but again, please please call us if you have any questions. Uh, uh, our our contact information is there. Uh, and if we don't talk to you, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday next week. And uh, because we have a lot to be thankful for. So thanks. Talk to you soon.